This is, well, I can't say part two, really, because we've <laughs> we really didn't leave off part one, part two. Anyways, this is another uh, great sit down. Brandon Holthouse, again, he was kind enough to, uh, to lend us his time. He is a very, very busy, busy man, and that's a good thing. Busy for the Lord is a good yep. thing. And you are going to a prophecy conference coming up. By the time I get to editing this, He'll probably have already done the prophecy conference. <laughs> yeah. It'll probably be online somewhere. Yeah, it'll be online. Yeah. Hope, hope for today we'll have it online. Very so. cool. So go check it out. Cause like I said, by the time I get to editing this, I'm a one man band. I was telling Brandon and um, I'm not Mr. Pro editor, but nonetheless, the content that we're going to be talking about is timeless. And so whether this comes out in a week or two or three, hopefully less. Um, all of this stuff we're talking about is going to be just as valid then as it is now. So Brandon, thanks so much for coming on. My pleasure, Pablo. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Um, he is one of the only pastors. Okay. I know there's others, but he's one of the only pastors that says one of my favorite words, dude. And I yeah. say that way too much. I'm sure if I ever get invited to speak somewhere, that's going to be a slip of the tongue somewhere. I'm going to say, dude, and I probably will never get invited ever again, but that's okay. It's all right. We're from California, man. That's part of the lingo. <laughs> that's right. And then for those of you that saw me, I did have a big old beard before. I just decided to get rid of the beard for now. I'm, I'm kind of moving away from Old Testament beard. <laughs> and uh, we'll see where it goes if I decide to grow that sometime. But anyways, for now, it's summer here in SoCal. It's hot, and I'm okay without having so much facial hair. There you go. Um, so anyways, we have a lot to talk about. But before we do, Brandon, for those that might have not caught the first interview, the sit-down we did, why don't you briefly tell us a bit, uh, your, your pastor, um, where you went to school, just quickly so we sure. can just dive right in. Well, uh, my background um, is political science, and um, um, I was I went to Columbia University um, uh, back east in New York, and I went there as a, a unsaved Catholic, obviously, and I got saved at 19 my, my freshman year uh, during the summer, and then I came back to Columbia as a born-again Christian, um, and the fight was on at that point in time, so a lot of my background is dealing with a political apologetics from a biblical standpoint and dealing with what we had to deal with at Columbia, but also uh, apologetics from a biblical standpoint because of uh, uh, the incessant uh, attack from the universities on Christians. I had to learn my, my game. I had to learn apologetics in order to defend my faith. And so I went, I went there um, eventually um, um, I got a call to ministry from the Lord and went to uh, Liberty. Uh, at that time, it was Liberty Baptist um, Seminary. Is that um, in Virginia? In, yeah, it's in Virginia. And it's now it's called Liberty University, and right. it's under one big umbrella. But back then, uh, Dr. Falwell was the, uh, the president and everything. And so yeah. uh, went to seminary, got two masters there. Um, then came back to California and, and uh, been doing ministry for, for gosh, um, about 20 years now. I started Rock Harbor about 10 years ago. Um, and um, 
um, we started Rock Harbor with the intent of being a remnant church. We had a, a vision in the fact that we saw the growing apostasy. We saw the lateness of the day as far as prophecy is concerned. And so we ended up deciding, look, this is the kind of church we're going to be. We're going to talk about prophecy, not every Sunday or whatever. We're going to highlight that. We're going to make point that people understand it, understand the current events, and be part of that remnant Philadelphia element that's hanging on to the truth, not apostatizing. And at this point, you know, with we had the mindset of, look, we're not doing the church growth thing where, you know, y'all come uh, and we're going to you know, give you a watered down version of the gospel. Right. We are, we are the exact opposite. We're giving you the full Monty on a Sunday morning because the, the church is supposed to be for the edification of the saints. It's not necessarily for, you know, entertaining goats. And so um, we had that mindset. So that does thin out the crowd. There's no doubt about that. But um, we're pretty serious about getting the word out. And right now in this day and time, I now understand why God did that for us, because um, we would be in such a time as this where people would need the word of God, need to know prophecy, need to know con uh, connections of what's happening in the world. And that is the one thing of all the, our listeners and people who watch our videos all say we got no churches telling us the truth. We got apostasy. We got woke pastors. We have they won't talk, talk prophecy and they won't talk current events. Yeah. And so now I totally get it now why he put that on my heart 10 years ago to break away and say, do this because here we are. You yeah. know, so that's a little bit of my background. Very cool. And um, you were pastoring before you started Rock Harbor and God yeah. transitioned you from there and then into Rock Harbor. And that's where you've been ever since. Yeah, I was uh, started out with a young as a young adult pastor, education pastor. And then the Lord put it on my heart to become a senior pastor and launch and plant our own church. So that's kind of how that went down. But yeah, that's pretty amazing that you have a, a degree in poli sci from Columbia University. Yeah. How did <laughs> you crazy. survive? <laughs> Columbia University as a Christian. It, it, I'm telling you what, it was probably the, one of the hardest times of my life because of the, the professors. You know, in a political science environment at Columbia, that's where all a lot of our Marxists and socialists sure. are coming out of. Um, believe it or not, that's where the Frankfurt School went and hid um, coming out of Germany. They hid in our Ivy Leagues and particularly Columbia University. Um, if you note, uh, that's where the Clow Cloward and Pivens professors came from the yeah. collapse the systems uh, that's where obama went and you you shouldn't be shocked that when you see politicians coming from columbia university that they're full-blown marxist socialist communist whatever because that's what's in that university and all the other ivs along with sure. everything else but so it was a fight it was a fight that number one you needed to know um your christianity very well but also needed to know how christianity was a world view and how it, it figures into politics. Yeah. So a lot of Christians, unfortunately, have a mindset, well, that's just politics. It, but it's no, no, no. Politics is a worldview. Mm -hmm. And they, they say, Brandon, you're being too political. And I, I, I always come back and tell them, what's political about being um, pro-life? And what's political about being um, pro-traditional marriage? How is that political? But now it is a political issue. Yeah. And the Christians have to be able to fight on that ground. And so basically what i learned is polemics and and apologetics being in that environment and i think now it makes sense is because the the, the end times 
the one of the legs of Babylon is a political leg. Sure. An economic leg, a political leg, and then you have the, the religious leg. And most Christians can understand the, 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 the religious leg, the whore of Babylon, but a lot of Christians can't discern the political aspect of Babylon, which obviously leads into a global government. And, sure. and, and that's what we're, we're at right now. So I think, I don't know how God does things, obviously, but through his providence, I think it was providential that I learned how to combat false views politically um, through a Judeo-Christian ethic. Yeah, I agree 100%. I, I really think that that's a, um, unfortunately, that's a lost art. Yeah. Um, especially even in, I know off the record, we were just kind of chit-chatting about universities, Christian universities, and how there are literally probably only a handful that you can probably just count with one hand throughout the entire U.S. that haven't capitulated to the world, to its views, you know, to yeah. this whole woke system. And so, unfortunately, we are at a point where I don't personally think things are going to get any better. And I don't say that. I don't say that lighthearted. Trust me, I don't. I try not to lose sleep over it, but it does keep me up thinking about things. It does, um, you know, at the end of the day, we don't, as much as Brandon and I, we, we know the Bible and we, we read it and study it. We don't really know exactly how things are going to play out. What I mean by that is we have an idea, right? Okay, we know the rapture is going to happen very, very soon. I believe so. I'm sure Brandon does too, just because sure. we're seeing everything happening around us. But what exactly is going to happen? How bad is it going to get? I, I don't know. The Bible says right. it's going to get bad, but we don't know exactly what is going to be that trigger for us to, to be out of here, you know, to, to get caught up. So perfect segue, because I really want to cover the whole topic. If we can, we'll see how far we get okay. the whole topic of the rapture, the tribulation, the mark, the antichrist. I really think those are very, very apropos subjects in sure. light of everything happening around the world. Absolutely. And so, I'm going to lead off with this. Uh, there is a friend of ours who's a, he's, he's not a believer. He is uh, a dad that um, our son, they swim on the same team together and uh, they're Catholics. And if you haven't, if you don't know where I stand on Catholicism, go see the video I did with Mike Gendron. Mm -hmm. um, second to last amazing, great video. Mike's a good guy. Yeah. Mike's a great guy. Mm -hmm. So, um, Nonetheless, so he was, he is blown away at how things are going. And this is a guy that doesn't know the Lord. He doesn't know scripture because the Catholic church does not encourage their people, their congregation to study and know scripture, quite the opposite. Right. But with that said, he's realizing that something's wrong, something's off. And he said, I never thought I would see this happen so quick. Things meaning, meaning things getting out of control so quickly. Now that's coming from someone who doesn't know scripture, but they know that something is wrong. Something yeah. is absolutely wrong. And something is going to happen as believers. We know that to be the rapture. Something's going to happen very soon. But before we do that, Brandon, what exactly is the rapture of the church? And then I know that there's 
amongst believers, there is debate about the timing of the rapture, but first let's cover the rapture. What is it? Okay. Well, the rapture, uh, to put it in a nutshell, um, is basically the snatching away, the harpazo. Um, this is uh, the Latin phrase uh, is, is, is where we get the term rapture, but it's a, a quick snatching away, um, a clutching away real quick. And um, basically the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says that it's so quick, it's in the, it's the timing of it. It's like the uh, twinkling, twinkling of an, of an eye. eye. You know, so it's the idea of light that would show up in your eye that quick uh, is removal of all believers in Jesus uh, prior to the tribulation period of time. This distinguishes it between that and the second coming. The second coming is the Lord coming back to earth to to fight a war, to finish off uh, the, uh, the battle of Armageddon, to destroy the Antichrist, the false prophet, and then set up his kingdom. Whereas the rapture is distinguished in scripture as the, the catching away of the, of the church um, to be absent from that seven-year period of time, because that period of time is called Jacob's trouble. It's not the church's trouble. And therefore, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it, it, it also says that the church is under no condemnation. Well, that means that the church cannot see God's wrath. And therefore, the church is protected at that time by being removed off the earth. But then we come back at the second coming with the Messiah um, to watch him destroy the Antichrist and set up his kingdom. So um, it's, a, it's a difference. Now, the thing about the rapture versus the second coming, there's a lot of, pair of, of things that sound familiar. And that's why a lot of people lump them together. But when you really study it, it's two distinct events sure separated by seven years and um and you know we can go into all the details about yeah. that but that's a baseline understanding is that before the tribulation starts the church is promised the the, the true church the believing church those who are born again are promised to be raptured prior to the day of judgment that seven year period of time called the tribulation yeah so um Okay, so I just did a no-no, right? And I love doing this, pointing out my faults. One of the worst things you can do while you're doing one of these is dead time. <laughs> and there was, how awkward was that? What was that, like three seconds, maybe? I don't know, two, three seconds, where I just stare at the camera? Because I'm deep in thought here, and I'm wondering, well, hold on, there's so much I want to say, but, oh, yeah, wait, he's he's done talking. I, I, that means I need to jump in. Anyways, which I do want to jump in, uh, to, just to kind of piggyback off what you said. I was busy looking up First Thessalonians chapter 4, because... One of the very cool aspects of the rapture of the church is the hope that it brings to the life of the believer. Yeah. So as we were just talking right now, as I just mentioned, things are going crazy bonkers in the world. I mean, you can just pick up the right newspaper or actually I shouldn't even say newspaper. I don't even, is there any good newspapers in circulation now? As far as I know, <laughs> I, don't know. I just go online. No. So a lot of anyways. online. Um, you can, there's a couple of them that I like to go to. I might link them up, um, but it's going crazy. It's nuts. It's really backwards. You know, like Isaiah, what is, where is it saying Isaiah chapter five? Yeah. Is it 20 or somewhere around there? Yeah. Um, uh, where it says, um, that what are those that call evil good, um, and good evil. And right. then we're kind of not kind of, we are in those days. I mean, yes. yeah. 
I'm not going to get into the current events or any of that, but the very last verse of chapter four, first Thessalonians chapter four, verse 18. And this has to be my favorite verse of the entire chapter says, therefore comfort one another with these words, right? When you see the word, therefore you have to see what it's there for. So go back a few verses and you can read. It's about the rapture of the church. Yeah. It's about Jesus Christ taking his bride, the church, the true church out before all of these things happen. Yeah. And that's a comforting, that's a comforting thought, a comforting word for us, knowing that we're not going to go through it. That's right. great. Now, like I said before, there are many who debate the timing of the rapture. There are those that are called pre, uh, pre-tribulational rapture, which is, we believe according to scripture. And, and I know Brandon would agree that we believe that the scripture is the pre-trib rapture is the best, um, that it fits the biblical narrative the best. That, that is the way that I believe the Bible and Jesus Christ told us, and, and it fits that perfectly. Now, there are those that believe that there's more than three, but we're I'm going to just talk about these three real quick. Okay. There's the mid-tribulational. They believe that the Lord is going to come back at the midpoint. That's what, during the abomination and desolation? Yeah. And then there's the post-tribulational, yeah. which means... That Jesus Christ's second coming, we're just going to do a U-turn. I mean, it's yeah. just going to be like, oh, we're meeting him in the air, and then we're just going to come right back down. Yo-yo. Yeah, yo-yo. Yeah. And there's a few others. There's the uh, pre-wrath rapture. There's a yeah. guy by the name of Marv Ro Rosenthal who really is the one that's kind of um, trying to get that whole notion to take yeah. off. That's a uh, – I like what David Hawking says. He's all, he says it's almost like a per Protestant purgatory. You know what I mean? Which I think is hilarious. That's <laughs> you know? a good way of putting it. Yeah, it is a good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> and then there again, there's there's a bunch of other ones, but the three most predominant are pre, mid and post. Right. Biblically, when you really, really study scripture, the one that most fits is the pre-trib rapture. And there are tons and tons of reasons why we can't get into it now. Maybe we'll do, you know, another one talking about those specifically. Yeah. So with that said, though, um, I have a litany of things that Go I want to talk about. So we, we covered what the rapture is okay. and then all the different views. And we know that things are getting bad right now. So here I'm going to start putting you on the hotspot. Okay. We know that things are going to get really bad. And then right after the, the rapture of the church, there is a gap of time. We don't know what that gap is before the tribulation starts. What starts the tribulation? Well, the tribulation is started by uh, Daniel chapter 9, 27, when the Antichrist makes a covenant with Israel. That's I'm going to look it up, and while you talk, and then I'll read it afterwards. Okay. So what happens is that starts Daniel's 70th week. And again, uh, we don't have time to go into the explanation of all that, but basically there's there's a period of time called Daniel's 70th week that needs to happen. It's a period of seven years, and that's where we get the seven-year tribulation from. But um, what kicks that off, that start of it, of Israel's history, uh, is the signing of the covenant with the Antichrist. So right now, prophetic time has stopped. So... We've been in this mystery gap that is called, 
we call it the church age. The church was a mystery. It wasn't spoken of in the Old Testament. And what has happened is now that the Messiah has been, uh, was, was crucified, buried, and rose again, the prophetic timetable has stopped for Israel. And what's happened is we, uh, Daniel predicted um, this uh, time, I think it's 490 years altogether, mm-hmm. uh, prophetically, that f- for Israel. Well, we stopped at the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah, and that was at 483 years. So what's happened is we've been in this gap for the last seven years to occur, and Daniel said it's kicked off by the Antichrist signing the covenant with Israel, and that will finish off Israel's prophetic um uh, history for them to get saved so it's like um, a pause button it we've been on the pause that's a good way of putting it okay um and uh, the reason for the pause is israel's rejection of the king and his kingdom and so um so they've been they've been allotted 70 weeks of seven correct yes okay and we have elapsed up to the time where jesus christ um was crucified rose from the dead well when he came in triumphal entry crucified and then rose from the dead we have we've elapsed 483 years that is 69 weeks of years yes correct yes and we're i mean right 83 to 90 that's seven seven Seven. years are left seven year tribulation so um sorry i just i I wanted to jump in there and just kind of clear that up so we are in a pause right now what do we call that pause that we're in right now we call it the the mystery kingdom okay is that what we would refer to the church age the age of grace or any of that yeah it could be the mystery age of grace would be another would be the dispensation that we're in right now okay hold on what's dispensation it's an economy of time or an era in which God deals differently with different eras. And okay. what we know, like for instance, so people would know this, that we in the church age don't do ritual sacrifices in a temple anymore. Right. Um, you know, we, we're not keeping mosaic law of wearing, you know, one, one uh, kind of clothing and you can't have mixed clothing, sure. stuff like that. So people obviously know we're not doing the mosaic dispensation. We're in the church dispensation, but uh, in this dispensation, it's called the mystery kingdom. The reason why is because it wasn't spoken of in the Old Testament. The messianic age was, but not the mystery kingdom. And so the mystery kingdom parables, if, if someone wants to know about them, is to read Matthew 13. That's when Jesus uh, starts explaining how this time gap is going to be now that Israel has rejected the Messiah. And um, anyway, in it. In the mystery kingdom, the mystery kingdom starts from the rejection of the Messiah by Israel to the second coming. So it encompasses the seven-year tribulation, but also includes the church. The church is involved in that as well. And so um, so that's why sometimes people will call it the church age, the Christendom, age of grace, things of that nature, because that's the period we're in. That's the time out. Okay. So now that... Uh, and, and let me just kind of back up a bit. Rapture happens, and then the tribulation does not start when the rapture happens. There's a misunderstanding there. I just want to make sure that we clear that up. We don't, again, these are things we don't know. We don't know if it's a week, two weeks, two months, two years. We don't know when it is that the tribulation starts because the Antichrist will do what? 
Well, he, he signs a, a covenant of death, according to Isaiah. And, and that covenant of death is to protect Israel from the overflowing scourge, basically, of, of more invasions. And that's for seven years, correct? For seven years. Seven years, okay. So that's what kicks off the tribulation. That's Boom. Right. That signing of that covenant or the enforcement of yeah. the covenant. So there's got to be something in place for him to enforce, right? Yes. And so he's going to make that covenant and it is, and it'll be signaled by a seven. It'll be for seven years. Okay. That will be the hallmark of it. Now, here is a question that I'm always itching to ask. Okay. And uh, I'm going to, there are those that reject Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation, this side of the rapture, right? Yeah. I've heard all kinds of excuses, even, oh, I'll just wait you know, right before the rapture, and I'll just ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior, right? Too late. Um, not going to happen. I guarantee you that won't happen if you're, if you're thinking of doing that. You're not that quick, trust me. <laughs> and then, well, I'm just going to wait until the tribulation to ask Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Chuck Smith used to put it so beautifully because he said, if you are unwilling to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, this side of the tribulation without persecution. Yeah. How are you going to do it on the flip side during the tribulation when there is the worst persecution ever recorded in all human history? Excellent point. Right? Excellent. So my question to you is, and I know this is probably a loaded question, but do you think that those that have rejected Christ this side of the rapture will want to surrender their life to Jesus Christ on the flip side of the rapture during the tribulation? Will they be, in essence, um, will they forfeit that, um, that opportunity if they do it pre-rapture? Pre What's your, what are your thoughts on that? Okay. So let's unpack that a little bit. Right. I know. And I, again, I know it was a loaded question. So, yeah. So let's first start is, let's start with the basis of understanding about chances to be saved after the rapture um the scriptures indicate yes and it, it was a misnomer when people used to say well it says in second thessalonians chapter 2 that a powerful delusion will be sent and those who refuse the truth will believe the lie um but they don't understand that that you've got to read second thessalonians in context and that and understand that what paul is doing even in that chapter is laying out a chronological order he's trying to tell the thessalonians who, who are all messed up right now because some some false teacher giving them some type of post-rapture version of things um he's actually laying out a chronology if you look at the chronology the abomination of desolation where uh, antichrist proclaims himself to be god uh we know that's the midpoint so paul highlights that and then after that, it says the strong delusion is given. Mm. Who that will believe the lie. The lie is the lie that it, Antichrist says that he claims to be God. It's right. right there in the context. That's the lie. Um, and, and so we see that it's the second half of the tribulation. And then when you marry that with chapter 14 of Revelation, where the third angel who sends out the, uh, is, is actually uh saying things to the inhabitants of the earth saying if you take the mark you're going to reach the point of no return you're you're going to be in the lake of fire basically let me let me just put a pause real quick 
Don't yeah. don't lose your train of thought. Um, this angel is going to be visible to yeah. the human eye. Okay, so what is supernatural now? This side of the rapture is going to be in the natural on the flip side during the tribulation. I want to make that crystal clear. This yeah. is people will see the angels with their physical eyes. Okay. Yeah. And demons. And demons. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to make the, that crystal clear. The supernatural and the physical are actually combined at that point in time. Yes. So yes. Manifesting at itself. So God, out of his grace and mercy, is sending a warning. Um, one angel has the eternal gospel. One angel pronounces the destruction of Babylon. And this third angel tells people, if you take the mark, then you, you're, you're not coming back from that. That is the point of no return. And so basically, based on that, and, and, and then you know they get the strong delusion at that point in time, people will still have a chance to accept the Messiah, even if they miss the rapture, all the way up to the middle of the tribulation. And they'll hear the preaching of the 144,000, the right. two witnesses, and, and even this last angel sharing the eternal gospel. But anyway, it's at the midpoint that you have to make a choice. And, and so up until that point, people still have a chance to be saved. Okay, so that's, that, that was what usually wasn't communicated in the past. In the past, I think people were, were broad brushing this whole thing and saying, well, after the rapture, you're not going to have a chance because you're going to be sent to strong delusion. And that's not accurate. Um, so people are still under that guise. I've run into people still under that guise of thinking that, that they can't be saved after the rapture. And that's right. not true. It's not true at all. It's after the mark of the beast, if you take that mark. Okay, that being said, st stated, then let's go to somebody that says, you know, I'm going to wait. Yeah. Well, if someone is saying that right now, that, that indicates to me that they have a hard heart. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is, supernatural events that occur don't make don't make the heart necessarily softer right right look at pharaoh pharaoh every time he saw something miraculous happen on the scale of the plagues of egypt his heart became harder and harder right now you can reverse that anytime you want to but the propensity for a hard heart is that it gets actually harder the more supernatural things it sees sure and so some of the most unbelieving generations in biblical history are those who saw the most miracles and whether it was jesus moses or now we're talking about the last days i mean the rapture is a major miracle oh yeah and if you have a hard heart that doesn't bode well for you and yeah. so you could actually get harder going on um but my thought again just knowing how scriptures talk about hard hearts seared conscience and all that stuff is you're going to see a massive explosion of evangelism uh in the first half of the tribulation there's a, a major revival among uh, the gentiles and we see that in revelation chapter 7. right um but i i have a funny hunch that's more with those who were ignorant of the situation and and then realize through the preaching of the 144,000 that, okay, this is what that was. Right. Because when I see, I see what scripture warns about, it warns about having a hard heart and what it can do to you because a hard heart can blind you. Sure. 
and 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 to where you don't see reality very well you don't see truth anymore so so when you say that that yeah people I, I yeah they'll have a chance to come to faith but also depends on that heart of that individual absolutely when you sin against revelation you actually condemn yourself even more he jesus said this about like uh, Chorazim, Capernaum, and Bethsaida. He said, if the miracles that I would have done uh, here would have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Yeah. But because you haven't, your, your judgment is going to be worse. And so you see that there's an element that those who reject uh, revelation, scripture, right now, are not going to bode well in the tribulation. I'm not saying they can't be saved, but it's going to be harder. Yeah. And I would probably say that that not only applies to the individual, I want to say that that applies to nations as well. Absolutely. A hard heart, whether unbeliever or or believer, both can have a hard heart. Sure. And, and you know what, unfortunately, I don't like to, to say this, but our country, the United States of America, we are on the fast pass, fast lane um you can whatever you want to name you know fill in the blank we are on the road there faster than we can say fast yeah um yeah and 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 we shouldn't be surprised because after decades upon decades of this stuff building up it's all coming out now yeah absolutely what year did you graduate so you went to columbia i know i'm backtracking sorry but just follow me on this. You uh, went to Columbia. What years are we talking about? In the 90s? I uh, graduated 96. 96, folks. Okay. And it was bad then. It was horrible oh. then. So we're talking, what, 20 years ago? More yeah. 20 plus years ago? 25 years ago? Yeah. Can you imagine where we're at now, ladies and gentlemen? Where, where we're at in, in regards to the indoctrination of the youth? It's, it's crazy. I think we're seeing the fallout of so many years of indoctrination of Marxist theology being taught. And, um, this is the result of that. When it goes unchecked, the church has remained silent and has been sitting on its laurels for way too many years. And this is where we're at folks. This is exactly where we're at. You would imagine that at some point, pastors would take a step back and go, what, what have we done? What have we not done? What have we not done? But that's not the case. Not only is that not the case, they're actually embracing all of this horrific and heretical theology that we see coming from the pulpits. And so... I know I, I don't want to rabbit trail. I'm going to really try hard to stay on track here, but think about that. Cause it's really easy for me to get to rabbit trail. I can just go off on a tangent and I want this time because I really want to stay on track. But so there will be those that will have the opportunity. Here is where to me, I see a lot of, uh, I don't even know if it's confusion, but there seems to be different, uh, opinions about this during the first three and a half years of the tribulation leading up to what the Bible calls the abomination that causes desolation. That's when the antichrist sets himself up in the Holy of Holies and says, I'm God worship me, right? That's when the Bible tells the Jews 
grab you. Don't even grab your stuff. Flee to the hills. Just yeah. get yeah. out. And I hope you're not, hope women aren't pregnant or you're not nursing because it is going to be bad. Yeah. But before then, we have three and a half years. Now, there's this, there are those that think, and I don't know what your opinion is, that we're going to be, not we, sorry, I shouldn't say we, because I don't plan on being here and you shouldn't yeah, plan on being here. here either. Okay. Brandon's not going to be here either. Yeah. So don't, don't email us if you're here. <laughs> um, but there's those that think that, the first three and a half years of the tribulation are going to be peachy king singing kumbaya, perfect peace and harmony. And I have a difficult time with that concept, and I'll tell you why. There's the seals of Revelation. We have Absolutely. seal. Let, let's just say, let's just unpack seal one through four. Right. right. Just if you can, I think what is that? Chapter six of Revelation talks is yes. where the seals start. So if you yep. guys want to go open your Bible and read just even the first four seals, okay? You don't need to be a theologian to pick up the book. The Bible tells you exactly what they are. So the Antichrist is the first one, which is the rider on a white horse. Yep. And he comes to conquer and conquering, but how does he do that? It's through a false peace and diplomacy, right? Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't forget who the Antichrist is. Not a good dude. Who is this man of lawlessness? I'm oh, asking. Wow. So, so yeah, right. So we, this is a, a whole topic for a whole nother show. But yeah. briefly, 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 uh, just tell us who is the Antichrist? What role is he going to play during the tribulation? Well, the the Antichrist. Uh, anti obviously is is in substitute for he's in substitute for the the messiah so he's going to be the the, the satan's best counterfeit of the son as satan will play the role of the father the antichrist will play the role of the son and the false prophet will pr play the role of the holy spirit so it's a counterfeit of the, of of the trinity and we call it the satanic trinity sure and so he is satan's son now um we understand that he's empowered by satan he has powers that he manifests so does the false prophet signs lying signs and wonders so it won't just be just simply a, a man that's very good in rhetoric he knows occultic information according to daniel and he uses it uh because he's empowered by satan to do things so imagine seeing the best spoken guy you've ever seen on the world stage and yet he has supernatural abilities to do things can i jump in here real quick brandon mm -hmm. um sorry for those that don't know me i have this terrible bad habit of interrupting my guests and that wouldn't surprise me why a lot of my guests don't want to come on <laughs> but i need to ask these questions and i think a lot of people might have questions just like this too Go for so it. as you're talking about the antichrist um, the, the one we've had many antichrists come before, but this is going to be the final antichrist. Okay. The one that comes to my mind right now is Adolf Hitler. Sure. Okay. Um, and you had mentioned this, you know, oratory skills, I guess Hitler had it. I don't speak German, but I, I yeah. have seen clips of him speak and he seems like a very, um, very, you know, zealous, uh, passionate man when he's addressing the German nation back then. 
Yeah, very charisma. A lot yeah, of charismatic. Charismatic, um, uh, very uh, drawing, compelling, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And he was. And so was a lot of these world dictators that are types of antichrists. Because we've had types of antichrists all the way back to Nimrod. Sure. Uh, Pharaoh is a type of antichrist. Haman, uh, evil Haman is a type of antichrist. Antiochus Epiphanes, and you name it, you know. Um, and so those were all foreshadows of the one to come. And, and like John, like you're mentioning that John, first John will say that many antichrists have come. It's talking about forerunners that deny the Messiah. Yeah. And, and a false teacher could be an antichrist. Uh, but the antichrist is the seed of the serpent. Yeah. And, and when you start getting into that, um, it starts getting very uncomfortable about talking about him because he's not simply just a man. So under Mao Zedong, I yeah. think I said that right. I hope I said that right. And Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, just under those three, we had over what, 40 million deaths around? Yeah. 40 million folks, 40 million of their own people. So the reason why I want to bring this up is because I want to let Brandon kind of expound on the atrocities that the final Antichrist is going to commit against humanity, especially the persecution against Christians and the Jewish nation itself. So why don't you go ahead? That's why I wanted to bring that up. Sorry, I just had to. I felt the need to put it into perspective for people to understand these dudes were really, really satanic and bad, but the final antichrist is going to make these guys look like little babies with their pacifiers in their mouth. (laughs) Yeah. No. um, If you think of all the world dictators put together all the way going back to Nimrod, um, Pharaoh, all of them, this guy's got them all beat. Um, He's a, because his father is Satan we know that Jesus called Satan a murderer, a liar, a destroyer. Well, this is what he does. He actually has no problem killing people. Um, and so there will there will be massive, massive executions for those who don't take his mark. That's number one. Second, um, when he proclaims himself to be God in the temple, he seeks to annihilate the whole Jewish population. And he yeah. will get very close to doing that he will eliminate two thirds of Israel. So right now, if you did the numbers of there's about 14, I think 14 million Jews on the planet, mm-hmm. it will annihilate, if this was to go down pretty soon, it would annihilate um, two thirds of that. Yeah, about 10 million. Yeah, so I mean, he's, he's on a rampage and there's a theological reason for going after the Jews, but just the fact that Satan hates humanity um, so part of what Satan does, what, part of what dictators do, is they murder people because the end justifies the mean yeah. for whatever reason. I mean, Hitler did it. He gassed people, and and I, I, I'm I'm we're starting to see now that the that we're seeing this eugenics movement in globalism where we, we want to get reduce the population down to 500 million people. What? Well, what does that mean? You know, and so we we can talk about the implications of all that, but at the end of the day. They want to reduce the population by murder. That's what yeah. abortion's about. Absolutely. And so, by, by rat- the way, for those of you that might think that Brandon and I are off our rockers, go look at the Georgia. Uh, what Gun is it stones. called? The Georgia what? 
Guidestones. The Georgia Guidestones. Just do a Google search and then look at the 10, uh, what they write about the Georgia Guidestones. These are massive granite stones, okay? It's written in stone, folks, just like they say. You can go look that up yourself. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I wanted to make sure that I, I like to throw that out because some people go, oh, you guys are just a bunch of nutcases. No. Well, no, we're not. No, and, and the thing is what I tell people now, it's not a conspiracy anymore. They actually say it. Yeah. Um, but when they're saying it and um, you got the Georgia Guidestones, but the World Economic Forum says it, those yeah. guys involved in it say it. So it's not a conspiracy. So either you're going to believe the facts of what they say, or you're just going to discount what they say. But it's not me saying it. It's not you saying it. It's them. Sure, sure. So um, that is part of the program about it, it, you think about even the the the, the, the hoax of climate uh, change. Yeah. Want to reduce the human population. They say humans are a cancer. Yeah. So anyway, um, so this guy's going to go to a rampage and kill a, you know, a majority of, of humanity, which is exactly what Satan wants. He wants mm -hmm. to destroy humanity. He hates humans, and he particularly hates the Jews. And the reason theologically he goes after the Jews, and it has always done that, yeah. because the second coming is predicated on the Jews accepting the Messiah. Sure. And once they accept them, he returns for them. And um, and so Satan's idea is, well, if I can eliminate all the Jews, there's no one to plead for his return and he won't come back. Yeah. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but again, we're, we're not talking about a sane mind. We're talking about what, what his intent is because of his sinful mind. Well, and what's crazy to me is how many people are going to be willing to take the mark of the beast, which we're going to get to in just a bit, folks. I'm trying yeah. to really, really trying to, uh, to, to stay focused here. <laughs> Um, it's okay. There's a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. And, and you know what? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, people are wondering and they're asking these questions and it just, it, it's, it's a thought process. And you, you, I really want to get this information out there because Good. I don't hear it in too many places, very few places. So we went first seal antichrist, second yep. seal conflict on earth. We have the rider of the red horse. Okay. And the rider of the red horse, it says here, another horse, fiery red. This is uh, Revelation chapter six, starting in verse four. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Sounds like war, right? It is the first world war of the tribulation. There's actually three. And that it, so when someone says talking about peace, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't either. I really don't. I, I don't understand. Now, there's a peace agreement, but that doesn't mean there's peace on the ground. No, there's this there's this weird concept of the. Of of almost like the scroll, right? We talk about again, if you want to read about this chapter four, chapter five, you'll read yeah. about the scroll who's worthy to, you know, uh, right. to loose the, the seals, the scroll and read it. That's Jesus Christ. But some, for some reason, they feel that they bunch the seals up as a, okay, I'm going to take the trumpet goes into this seal and this goes into this seal. And they kind of, they categorize everything within there. And that's not the case, folks. These are in perfect sequential order. Uh, that's the key thing that they need to understand, and I think you need to highlight that because the book of Revelation is one of the first prophetic books that lays things out in chronological order. Yes. Even the church age is in chronological order in chapters two and three. And so, you, Pablo, you nailed it. 
the sequential aspects of these you cannot put judgments into the other ones mm -hmm. they come out of it sequentially but you got to have judgment one judgment two yep. judgment three sequentially happening uh, and you're totally right so if people can understand that when they read the book of revelation it is sequential yeah so they'll, they'll we understand it so we have death because of persecution antichrist yeah. we have death with the red uh the rider on the red horse which is seal number two we have seal number three which is the black horse and if we fast forward just a couple of verses so i looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand and i heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say quote a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine so the black horse brings death am i right what yeah. does the black horse bring and well it, it's economic uh problems obviously um because um so so wheat is more expensive than barley correct what it's what it's trying to say is the economy is so tanked not only because of the global government and the global economy that they're trying to run but because of world wars uh resources are scarce yeah and so i think it's a combination of all of this you know because global fascism global communism reduces resources that's what's right. happening here in California. Yeah. And so ultimately what will happen is it'll take one day, one day to make enough money to buy one meal for one person, for one person. That's how bad the economy will be in the tribulation. Obviously, due to these other factors, wars, uh, the global economy, it, it, it is going to be it is going to be communism global. Basically. So it's a famine. Yeah, it's there's no doubt famine will happen. And people will die because of that because they don't have the resources. But the the concept of not harming the oil and wine is very interesting because I, I come from this and from a political standpoint. In every communist regime that you've ever seen, um, the the bulk of the people are destitute and poor. That's how it is. Whether it's a, you know China, Fidel Castro's Cuba, or wherever. But the elite on the top always have the luxury items always yep. luxury items that it's mentioning is oil and wine that the there will still be oil and wine for the elite but everyone else will be dirt poor yeah. which is classic uh economic communism which is exactly what the world's going to go to uh through corporate fascism it'll be a global communal co communistic type of economy sure Sure. Can I so, can I interject real quick? Yeah. For those of you kind of scratching your head and going, well, that's a good thing. It's in the future, folks. Let me just say this much real quick. Um, we just had one of the worst hacks on the largest meat processing facility. Yeah. And if you guys think that that's not going to affect the price of meat, think again. That is going to affect the price of meat. Um, we have inflation starting to hit which is going to make the price of goods skyrocket. Yeah. Um, there was, um, I heard the price of corn is going to be skyrocketing too. How many products contain corn in it is insane. And so for, for those of you that think this is a, uh, some crazy time in the far gone future, think again, everything is being set. I, I really believe the stage, think of a big stage, 
think of the the curtains and 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 everything all the props on the stage i think everything is said all we are waiting for is for the curtains to just open up everything is there and and this will happen folks i guarantee you the bible says it it's gonna happen 100 percent. Mm. i guarantee you that i guarantee you that yeah so leading the charge on the next horse which is the fourth seal yep is the rider on the pale horse mm -hmm. and the name of him who sat on it was death and hades followed with him i always found that interesting that hades follows him doesn't say heaven follows him yeah um right. you know but power was given to them okay plural so for those this is where i guess I'm stumped where they get the thought that perfect peace and harmony, kumbaya, everybody's going to have so much money in their bank account and things are going to be good because of this verse. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. That I find very interesting too because I see the earth groaning as of late yeah. i really find nature in a very uh uh um, interesting position now where it just seems like nature is groaning and we're headed towards that place where these crazy natural disasters are not only increasing like the bible says frequency and intensity but they're going to get a lot more um we're going to see a lot of those in places we usually don't see them yeah so um brandon what some will say yeah but that doesn't say that a quarter of the earth's population is going to die within you know the first four seals it just says that you know people might die people are going to die but it's very clear here that power was given to them over a fourth of the earth when power is given over to these writers over a fourth of the earth what does that mean well, power to kill it says in the text so that's the thing is I, I sometimes scratch my head metaphorically and i'm thinking how come you don't not you but people who are saying that are not just reading the text the power is to kill with sword to kill with hunger to kill with death and to kill by the beasts of the earth yeah so it's all about killing yeah at least you know um and whether this is referring to angels who are given the task of doing this or whether that's having having to do with these these armies of the antichrist because it's a world war yeah um and, and you know now you know even that last phrase the beasts of the earth well some have and and i think this is a pretty good interjection that beasts of the earth doesn't necessarily mean lions and tigers and bears oh my but could be uh, what we saw with the coming out of the Wuhan China uh, lab. Sure, sure, uh, absolutely. We're talking about microscopic beasts who are unleashed on the earth as a plague or yeah. A pestilence. Yeah, and and I could see that happening because that could take out such a huge portion oh. of the population of the earth. Get it, man? Mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so sometimes I think when you read that, you know, don't think of a a, a bear trying to attack you it's it's more i think on the microscopic level to better understand that verse but at the end of the day look what's happened in the first half of the tribulation we've got a, a an antichrist then we have a world war and we have scarcity and we have death sure i i don't see peace in that yeah yeah no and i don't either and so for me um you know i really believe 
Yes, the, the whole period is the seven years is called the tribulation and the second half is called the great tribulation. Right. But I think we really need to understand that the entire seven year tribulation is in question when it comes to the severity of what's going to happen. And we can't really even comprehend how bad things are going to get. You can look at videos of the Holocaust. You can look at videos of all kinds of natural disasters from earthquakes to hurricanes to tornado devastations to tsunamis. Look at all of that. And all of these things pale in comparison to what is going to happen during the seven-year tribulation. Now... And to add to that, I think that people who understand the pre-tribulational view of the rapture is to understand that the seal judgments are called the wrath of the Lamb. It, they are not, it, it is not man-made wrath. Um, it is the wrath of the Lamb. And sure. so that's why we, we can't be under that. Otherwise, we have double jeopardy. Um, and we, we can't have that as believers. So... This this is all coming from him breaking the seals, which is his wrath. Mm -hmm. So it's all wrath. Yeah. And so why? The question some people may ask, why? Why yeah. would God, who is loving and, you know, uh, gracious and compassionate, why would he allow for something like this? I can already hear people saying, well, you're telling me God is loving and and, you know, that he's compassionate and he's merciful, and he is. But let's not forget he's just as well. So why would God allow this to happen? Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, to put it in more of a, 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 a people can understand, if, if someone raped and murdered, you know, your wife and your kids and whatnot, and they went before a judge, and the judge says, you know what, boys will be boys, uh, I'm a loving judge and I'm just going to let them go. I know the first thing out of people's mouth would they would say they say that's an unjust judge mm -hmm. because they hurt my family members. They raped and killed my family and you would want justice. Sure. So in order for God to be loving, he has to be just. And that's how the Bible portrays him. He's a loving God. But in order to be loving, you have to be just. You have to punish evil. And what's happened the earth has been, or sorry, the people of this earth have been going on for so many years, thousands of years, um, and with God's grace and mercy, unpunished. Now, what the tribulation is about is punishing that element. God's given them a time of grace, which Second uh, Peter chapter three talks about, and now eventually he's got to, he's going to have to judge, and this is what it's about. It's right. about serving up justice. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, on a big scale. On a very big scale. Uh, so, folks, there's a lot of things. And, and, and uh, let me see. What do we do? How are we doing on time? You tell me. I'm good. I'm good. good? Okay. So we're going to keep plowing through this. Uh, th this is really, we're just scratching at the surface here. We really, really are. There's not a whole lot. Um, we can get into specifics, but we might do that at another time. Because I think we really need to. Uh, I believe that at some point, Lord willing, when we're gone, these videos will prayerfully for a short while serve as a source to bring an explanation as to the chaos that's ensuing in the world sure. right after disappearances, which leads me to something that I, I didn't, I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to now. 
some folks are going to be trying to find an explanation the 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 media right this the the ones that that uh the that give so much truth out right now and i'm being facetious when i say that the 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 truth news yeah right more like the fake news they're going to try and come up with an explanation as to where did all of these people go and funny thing is that now all of a sudden we're hearing about the ufo this whole ufo phenomenon yeah which a few years ago you would never hear the mainstream media ever let alone the military come out and acknowledge ooh they're ufos now now right. we've tracked them and 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 putting together some sort of of panel to you know to, to investigate or discuss i'm not sure we would have never seen that yeah what what about that uh brandon this whole ufo thing popping up all of a sudden now yeah i th i think um already it's given a good reason how how they're going to explain us away how we disappear and why we disappeared and they're going to chalk it up to ufos now the funny thing about this this has been going on for some time the appearance of ufos in in at least in America, really exploded in 1948. And it's been exploding since then. I think there's something there with Israel, obviously becoming a nation in 1948. But um, when uh, Chuck Missler, he wrote a book a long time ago about uh, aliens and alien abductions. And um, he was noting in this book, I can't remember the name of it, but um, that it, when in talking to those in the new age who are channeling demons or anyone in the occult or whatnot, what they noticed that the demons were telling these people is they were giving them information about the rapture. They were saying that eventually one day all these people are going to disappear. And what that is, is um, avatars, uh, avatars, uh, creatures from the future mm -hmm. uh, or space aliens or whatever that's going to take those people off the earth because they prohibited the earth from reaching its spiritual evolution and they needed to be taken away to re-educate them and they they also noted note this in the demonic information about this they said oh and don't be surprised when the kids are disappeared and the babies hmm. because you're going to ask questions about that well why did they need to be re-educated but um, they know best what to do and they're going to help those children out as well. So don't worry about that. They're going to be taken care of. Mm. And I thought, isn't that interesting that the aliens even had an excuse, sorry, the demons had an excuse of where the children and babies are going to go. Sure. Sure. So this has actually been talked about in new age occultic circles for, uh, decades upon decades. And now all of a sudden we're seeing the government come out with it. Well, on the mainstream. It's mainstream now. It's like and it should be on the front page of every newspaper, and it's not. They're acting like this is normal. Right. But I think what they're doing is normalizing it so that when we do disappear, they have an excuse. And I think the alien excuse is, uh, look, the demons are already saying they're going to use it for that. Sure, absolutely. You know, anything to lead people astray. Absolutely. And I think that's the best explanation. Um, not Sorry, best excuse they will give sure. for that. Um, otherwise, yeah problem on their hand and they're gonna look what they're gonna say look they're gonna say look all these other christians are still here uh you know it wasn't the rapture because the rapture they would probably say it's gonna take all christians and look we have the catholics and we have the mormons we have the Jehovah witnesses here and so it didn't take them it's yeah. just the bad christians yeah true and it's very true i mean
I've, I've seen a couple of movies. Um, Left Behind series is one of them. The other one, um, trying to remember what the name of it was. I might post it. I might not. Anyways, one of the clips in the movies is this Christian pastor who was left behind and he's on a panel explaining. They're all giving their explanations as to why one of them says Gaia, Mother Earth, cleansed herself, right? And this other guy gives some weird explanation. And then the pastor goes, no, 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 you guys are all wrong. What are you talking about? This was the rapture of the church. This was God's hand intervening. And they all turn around and look at the guy and go, well, then why are you still here? And just, they totally just shut the guy up. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know what? That's true. There are going to be a lot of those left behind. Yeah. So it's really important to make sure that, you know, why are you a Christian and make sure that it's for the right reasons and don't play crazy. Right now is not the time to be playing church. Oh, I'll tell no. you that much. No, not the time. Okay. So let's move on a bit because there's so much I want to cover. I don't think we're going to get through the whole thing. That's, That's okay. okay. We're going to have to do this again, right? Are, are you yeah. cool if we do it some other Absolutely. time? Okay. Um, so for those, I, I want to kind of cover this real quick because maybe we don't hear much of this, but the role of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost, which was the birth of the church. Yeah. Some may say the birth of the church was a little later on in the book of Acts. I believe it was the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit came indwelt the believer. And ever since then, when, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and we ask him to be our Lord and Savior, we get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's right. right? That's right. What is the role of the Holy Spirit going to be during the tribulation? Yeah, the, he will still have his role uh, that he does now, except one particular ministry, and it's the ministry of restraint. Um, right now, the Holy Spirit is restraining evil, restraining the Antichrist. And uh, this is the concept we get all, all the way back in Genesis 6 that he says, my spirit will not strive with men forever and restrain them, basically, is the idea. So that's where the ministry, that particular ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is dealt with. Okay. Well, the only thing that's removed at the rapture is the restraining uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit. Everything else that the Holy Spirit does, he will continue to do. Uh, regenerate, convict, all those kinds of things that he does now. Um, but man, I'll tell you what, when he lifts his restraints, it's Katie bar the door. It's all Hades is going to break loose. Yeah, yeah. And, and we, I think sometimes we realize, we don't, we see how bad it is, but it's still under the restraint of the Holy Spirit. If you can picture that. Yeah. So as bad as it is, it still could be worse if the Holy Spirit wasn't restraining all of this. So curious, um, in the Old Testament, the role of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit would come and would go, correct? Yeah. Is that not going to be the case during the tribulation? Well, because the new covenant's in effect, the Holy Spirit will permanently indwell believers. Okay. That's the new aspect that's not going to change. So, okay. Um, because of the new covenant. Okay, so, um, and and like Pastor Brandon said, there is one part, and it, what is is it in Second Thessalonians where the restrainer is taken away? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Second Why don't you walk us through that real quick? Well, um, if you you turn to Second Thessalonians, if you ever want to, uh, if those out, outside are listening, um, what you start having is um, you have a discussion that Paul's having about the Antichrist, obviously. 
And he's saying that something or someone is restraining this individual. And he's telling the, 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 the Thessalonians believers that, um, wait a second, there's several things that have to happen before the Antichrist is revealed. And he talks about the great apostasy and, and things of that nature. But um, in the verse uh, that he talks about the Antichrist being restrained, he says that he will restrain, he will um, not be revealed until he um, reveals restraining him is the idea. And, and, when you start looking at the context of that, um, you start, it, it's interesting because uh, I'll, I'll try to read the verse. It's verse seven. I'll try to make sense of it. It says, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, the funny thing about that, that passage is, uh, by the way, that's second, second Thessalonians chapter two. Okay? Yeah. Verse seven. Yeah. Verse seven. Uh, there's, there's two keys in the passage. But um, the first he is a, a masculine, and it is, we believe it's a reference to the Holy Spirit, because when you, then you go to um, the other he, it's different. It's, it's a, like a third person, mm -hmm. and we would define that as it, not he. And so sometimes, like my Bible translates it, translates it he, but it, it should be translated it. So the way you read it is for the mystery of laws is already at work. Only he personal pronoun who now restraints will do so until it is taken out of the way is the way you translate that passage mm -hmm. properly. Well, there's, there's, then that leaves the question, who's the he and what's the it, right? Well, we understand based on other passages, when you bring them all together, it's the Holy Spirit restraining through the it, which is the church. Right. So once the church is removed, the it, the restraining efforts of the Holy Spirit are removed with it. So that's what, that's why we're called salt and light. Because um, the Holy Spirit is actually restraining evil through the church right now. Right. Yeah. And so that's why we link the restraint, the removal of the strength with the removal of the church at the same time. Sure. And, and, and I want to make sure that we understand when Brandon says the church, we're talking about individuals that make up the body, the real church, the, the real, real church. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that is the, the, um, the Holy spirit working through the life of the believer to restrain evil. That's Case right. in point, prayer, um, voting, going to uh, and standing in front of abortion clinics and praying, counseling, um, yeah. you know, in legislatures, we have believers in there now. We have a, a slew of people that are involved in everyday uh, politics, teaching, uh, work. Um, so you can just go down influencing for good. And when yeah. that is gone... Who's, who's going to influence for good? Yeah. Like who's, if you guys think how bad is it now, right? You take a look at the global stage right now. It's, it's getting really bad, really ugly. That's with us, the church still influencing for good and restraining because the Holy spirit working through us, restraining the floodgates of evil. We're just kind of picture as holding the floodgates back. Yeah. yeah Once definitely. we're gone, 
that's it. Those floodgates are just going to crack open and it's just going to be game on. Okay. So kind of moving on, we have now (laughs) the mark of the beast. Okay. Okay. The Bible says that the, let me back up a bit. The number of his name is six, six, six. And we have had for years ACDC and all kinds of heavy metal bands. And they use that for to market themselves, right? You know, bad publicity is good publicity anyway. So, but that number, so there are some that think that that is a literal numeric value to the name of the Antichrist. There are those that also believe seven is the number given to represent the Lord perfection, right? 777 would be the emphasis. Six is the number of man. Triple six is the emphasis of how bad this dude's going to be. Okay. Take your pick. I think it could be both of them together. Why not? You know, um, I don't know. what. What's your take on that real quick before we get into the mark? It's it's all of that. Because okay. uh, six, obviously, a man's uh, created on, on the sixth day, which shows the man's incomplete without God. And so when you see the triple sixes, you'll see it in scripture, even in the Old Testament. The triple six is found on Goliath's armor. Mm-hmm. And it's also found on Nebuchadnezzar's statue when he wanted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down. Now, both both the, the Goliath scene and then the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego scene are actually typologies for the seven-year tribulation. Yeah. You yeah. look deeply into it. That's why you see 666. Uh, the Antichrist will be a Nephilim, so like Goliath will be. He will also set up an image like Nebuchadnezzar did. And so you see the same typology. But 666 is all over the place. So so already in the Old Testament, when the Jews saw that that triple six, they knew this is a bad dude from Satan. Okay? Yeah. He's panicked. And he's more, it's worse than just the evil of a man. It's satanic evil. And Sometimes in our lives, you will actually see glimpses that that evil goes beyond human. It goes to another level. Like Hitler's Holocaust went beyond to another level. That oh, was yeah. satanic. Yeah. And, and so that's when you know it's beyond human. Well, this guy will be on human. But also, because the book of Revelation is actually a, a, um, a safety manual, so to speak, if you want to call it, for Jews living in tribulation for or even Gentiles. Mm-hmm because it tells them what to expect and what's going to come and it also tells them how to decipher who the antichrist is and so again the bible is a jewish book so you have to take it from a jewish perspective so what we have in the hebrew alphabet is an alphanumeric system which means the 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 alphabet is also the 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 numeric system as well so if this is a, a survival manual for the jews which I believe it is, then the ability to translate the 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 number and and uh, correspond that with the Antichrist's name will uh, be a marker for them to be able to spot him. Sure. Not not only just before signing the the tribute, uh, sorry, the covenant, but also along with the fact that he proclaims himself to be God, he's Israel's friend, yada, yada, yada. So if you took the, the Antichrist's name, and only this could only happen in that period of time. Right. It can't happen now. Yeah, don't try it. <laughs> don't try it. 
because it's not going it's, it's you're going to fail it could only happen <laughs> in that period of time when the antichrist is on the scene they would the the jewish remnant will be able to take his name and his name as an alphanumeric in the hebrew will add up to 666. yeah not in english folks not in english, not in english. It's hebrew. Don't try it. it's hebrew. hebrew or the jews because this is this is a the book of revelation is about the jews in the tribulation mm -hmm. so it's very jewish you have to come from that context and so they and they alone in the tribulation will be able to decipher the name so that's why it says he who has wisdom let him calculate the number of the beast well the calculation right. is do it put it in hebrew so i'm gonna go to real quick sorry folks we're jumping around so much Revelation chapter 13, verse 16. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to kind of unpack it just a wee bit. Yeah. It says, he causes all, and I think the word all in the Greek is all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. Just in case you missed that, it doesn't matter what race, color, economic, socioeconomic, whatever it is, it's all, everybody. There's no distinction. He causes them to receive a mark. Uh, I know that word mark is karagma, correct? Yeah. A mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one, whoever has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Woo. Oh, boy, boy, there's so much in there, right? Yeah, man. There's wow. so much in there where do we start folks <laughs> well the, the, we start you know with the idea that you know um we're starting to see that type of system get set up yep and um you know the the term buying and selling that's being thrown around right now mm -hmm. that okay you can't buy or sell without a vaccine or you know you can't buy uh, buy and sell without a vaccine passport or or whatever and we're starting to see the technology but to understand this passage you're not going to be able to do economics basically without this mark sure and it's a mark that's on your body it's a mark that you wear whether and i i believe it's under the skin i think there's a good uh, point to make that it's under the skin sure it doesn't have to be but it will it will carry your ability to buy and sell yeah which you couldn't say that a hundred years ago yeah but what do you say what do you say to the people that say i'd never let that i never let anybody do that to me you know what i gotta say <laughs> 2020 people yeah 2020 yeah look what happened then right and and it, you know they were able to shut down the churches shut down the economy and they were able to force people to wear masks and we now know the masks didn't work okay yeah. so if people say they're not going to do it, it did you wear a mask um so at the end of the day i don't think the people will have a problem at all in fact oh. what i saw last year pablo is that people are more than willing to comply with government mandates 100 percent. are we there absolutely i think we are so that i was just telling my wife this morning i said if, if 2020 and leading into 2021 has shown me anything even on the prophetic time time scale time clock is that people are ripe and ready for to take a mark 
to take no. anything. They are, we're there, folks. We're, for someone to say, no, I, I don't see that, just take a look at 2020. It, you know, it wasn't a matter of one mask. They tell you two, you bet. I'll put two on. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and, and I think therein lies where I think I, I even had to adjust my initial thoughts of understanding the mark of the beast because, you know, when I was young, I'm, like, I'm talking about in my 20s, I used to thought, I used to think, oh, man, man, people would totally resist that. They wouldn't allow themselves to do things like that. Yeah. They're going to be a fight on their hand. I'm thinking now today, forget it. They will beg for it. They'll beg for it. What about cryptocurrencies, guys? We're we're seeing a lot of talk of cryptocurrencies. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to some one of one of the swim dads yesterday, and I said, you know, the crazy thing is they're trying to get rid of currents um, of money, cash. It's dirty, right? It can carry viruses. It can carry disease. So we're headed to a place, a cashless society. Mark Hitchcock wrote a book called Cashless. It's a good book. Um, but we know specifically, Brandon, that we're going to, the tribulation, there's not going to be cash. No one's going to be able to use cash. Right. And we're going, we're moving to a point where now we're talking about digital currencies seriously. The crazy thing is I see it happening fairly quick, this transition into a digital currency. And how easy would it be if you don't comply for me to just you know, type in a line of code or, you know, click a button. And now you have zero money in your bank. Your credit cards don't work anymore. You can't pay your bills. You're toast. You are toast. That's right. So fast forward in that into the tribulation. Well, That's yeah. And, and, and you, you, you can easily see it just takes common sense that if you had all your banking controlled, and let's put your health records on there mm -hmm. and let's put all your economics on there and all your personal information on there. They could wipe you out in with a, a touch of a button and they can wipe out your bank account. They could wipe you out and, and no telling if they put something inside of you, which a lot of people don't realize that, that they want to do a, a, you know, Bill Gates and a lot of these globalists want to chip people. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, proof of vaccine and proof of this, proof of that, but, but also for the digital currency that's coming. Sure. Um, what would stop them from being able to have the ability to, to kill you through it? Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, who knows? I mean, we know people that have been chipped in the army. They, the army does chipping. Yeah. Um, and in um, some of the special forces and a lot of those guys, tell you that they end up with cancer or there's something that goes wrong in their bodies a lot of times. And so they want to put that stuff in our bodies. They want us to be able to carry it. Mm -hmm. And you know, let's, let's go into the future. How, how much of a stretch would it be to say, okay, if you have the mark of the beast in your body, you know, on your right hand or your forehead, and it's under your skin in your body, and you didn't worship the image of the beast, which is required of you at that time, right. How easy would it be to just flip off a switch and say, okay, you're dead. Yeah, 100%. Uh, you could see, they don't need a guillotine. They don't need anything. They just flip nope. a switch. Yeah, which the guillotine is going to happen. It you will. Get, it will. You, the, the head lopping will happen during the tribulation. Yeah, it will. Uh, you know, so it there were, again, I'm going to keep saying this, we're there. There's there's really nothing that needs to happen in order for the rapture of the church to happen, 
because the technology that we need for the tribulation, I, we have it. Um, John Haller was mentioning that uh, in a, uh, one of his prophecy updates that in Ohio, and he showed pictures of it, they're almost done with a Facebook data center. So I've heard that data farming is the new oil. Okay. It's, it's huge yeah. data. Um, and they're building this massive, I mean, the, the span of one of these data centers is one quarter of a mile. Just think it's about like that. Okay? Four football fields or something like that. It is. It's four football fields in, in, um, in width. Okay. Just think about that. And then they're, they're like rows and they have about four or five of these quarter mile long rows and in the middle of Ohio. And he was saying that right across the road from them, guess who's going to build a data center there? Google. Now, there you go. And so it's not the only data center. This is one data center. And there's another chart. Um, I might put it up. Uh, I, I took it from uh, John Haller. So thanks, John. Appreciate you yeah. doing the research. But he showed how, I guess now, the amount of data we have is not measured in terabytes anymore. They're measured in zettabytes. And I had to look up what zettabytes is. <laughs> so one, um, one, 1,000 megabytes is one gigabyte. 1,000 gigabytes is one terabyte. Okay. My hard drive, I think I have a, a one four uh, terabyte, one eight terabyte. One million, yes, one million terabytes is one zettabyte. And the amount of information data collected, I guess we're competing with China. We're ahead of China in data collection, by the way, is in the thousands of zettabytes. I believe that that is a structure of the beast system. Absolutely. It's huge. And why would it be so difficult to think that one man can control the entire world? There. And we're not even going to get into algorithms and AI. That's a conversation for another time. It would be cool to get Billy Crone on. Yeah, he's good at that, man. Oh, my land, that guy. <laughs> but, okay, so we kind of covered the mark of the beast. You, won't, you aren't going to be able to do doink if you don't have it. No. Just consider yourself anathematized. <laughs> I like that word. You're no. toast. So kind of moving on. So the way we are progressing now, it seems exponential at the rate we're headed yeah. into the tribulation. So I want to just cover something real quick. There's nothing that has to happen in order for the rapture to happen. Correct? Right. It's okay, so, so why do I hear some pastors say that we have to have the fullness of the Gentiles before the rapture happens. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a concurrent narrative that's going on according to the apostle Paul. So that's true, but we don't know when the last Gentile gets saved. So that's between God and that last Gentile. But, um, um, but that still makes it imminent to us. Right. And, and therefore, that's not, a, that's not something that needs to be satisfied per se on our part. Um, God knows when he's going to pull the trigger. Sure. And that, that's what's important. And yeah. we don't. 
So that's why we say theologically uh, that the rapture is imminent. Now, God has his reasons why he has delayed the rapture uh, to this to whenever he decides to pull the trigger. So but it is in concert with a, a piece of knowledge that God knows and only God knows when the last Gentile is saved. Absolutely. That's on his side. So that doesn't that doesn't mess with imminency at all, because we don't know. There's no marker out there. Right. It's only right. a God thing. Right. And so in, in our sense, it's still imminent and yeah. um, always has been. Okay, so kind of moving on. Two questions. First question is, what is in store for those that do not accept Jesus Christ this side of the tribulation? Wow. Um, the, the experience of hell come to earth. That's the best way I can put it. Um, if you miss the rapture, I'm not saying you can't get saved. There are, the, there are plenty of opportunities that will be there, but you will experience hell come to earth. Not only will you experience the wrath of man through the Antichrist, the whore of Babylon, and all the crazies uh, that are running around at that point in time. I mean, just imagine like Portland everywhere. And even you know, worse than that, right? Yeah, worse than that. You know, just death and violence and stealing and everything. And no, there's no law or anything like that going on. And then imagine on top of that, you're not, that's the wrath of man. Then you have the wrath of God being poured out at the same time. And forget that. There's nothing comparing of that. Um, and so I, I, I just, I would warn anybody that's not saved right now that you don't want to experience hell not only for eternity, but you don't even want to experience hell that comes for seven years on this planet because you're going to die. You're probably the, the good chances you're going to be murdered or somehow, some way, uh, either by the wrath of man or by being killed by the judgments of God. You won't make it. Yeah. Very few will make it. You, and yeah. that's why. And, and, then, and then you might be martyred at the same time and have your head chopped off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, folks. Um, I don't think we quite understand. I know I have a hard time. I said this earlier on. I, I have a difficult time understanding how bad things are going to get. We get in. We we get a glimpse because we read scripture, and uh, for those that have an imagination, you can probably imagine. Um, I always like to kind of say this. You know, there are those that say they is beyond me how a Christian would want to watch horror movies. Uh, I have a big, big problem with that. But there are horror movies, and I believe the producers, the writers, all of that, they're inspired by demons. It's just straight up demonic. Now, if you were to take one of the worst horror movies, and I don't watch them, and I haven't, and I, I, I couldn't tell you, but unfortunately, they, they have to show these terrible previews sometimes when you're trying to watch a show. If you take that, okay, any horror movie, and you think that's fake? <laughs> you got something else coming towards you. Yeah. Because the Bible is very specific that demonic activity <coughs> now it it works in the supernatural, it manifests in the physical, but during the tribulation it's going to be all in the natural. So whatever you see in those movies, levitations, uh possessions, you know, I I'll even say this much. And I know I'm going to sound like a total freakazoid, weirdo. That's okay. I'll own it. The Bible says that for five months, man is going to sink. This is a revelation. I'm trying to remember. Uh, is that during the, 
the trumpet judgments, man is going to seek death and they will not find yeah, it. It's a trumpet judgments. Trumpet judgment. Yeah. Because there's going to be these hordes of demons that are going to be allowed to torment men for five months. Yep. And it's very specific. Chuck Smith used to say that death can be a relief for those suffering greatly. Yes. And the Bible is very specific. So there's this, there's this, you know, big fad now, zombies. And I see stickers on the back of cars. I'm a zombie hunter, zombie killer. Prepare for the zombie apocalypse. But you know what the funny thing is? The only distinction between what I see then and now, obviously, they're not going to get up and eat you. But there are going to be zombies in the sense of living dead people. They're going to probably reach for a gun and try to end their lives. And you know what? They're going to be alive in that condition. Yep. You know, blown out, jumping off of a cliff, you name it. They will try to evade death and death will, they won't find it. Can you imagine what that's going to be like by the millions? I can't. And that's just one. That's just one. Folks, this isn't a joke. This is not a joke. Pastor Brandon knows scripture well enough, and he's preached about it many times. You know, for those that study scripture, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that it's a time like scripture says, that's a time like never before. And if it, if we wouldn't have an end to it, nobody would survive. Nobody. That's right. Bad. It's horrible. It's very, very, very bad. And those are the ramifications, folks, for those that reject Christ, this side of the rapture. And so we've, I know, I know we've covered a lot of bad news, a lot of bad news, and it is all bad news, except for the rapture. If you're part of the bride of Christ, you're not just a professing Christian from here on out. If you truly, truly have, have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but the Lord knows your heart. You're going to go in the rapture. Praise God. That is hopeful. That is a great source of hope and encouragement for us, the believer. But we covered a lot of nasty stuff. And let me tell you this. From today forward, it's only going to get nastier. It's only going to get worse and terrible and, and horrifying. And uh, But there's good news. There's good news. And I'm going to turn it over now to Brandon because I want you... Pastor Brandon, if you wouldn't mind telling those, they don't have to go through that. Right. So God doesn't is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He's not wanting this to, to come upon any individual. Again, he's forced into a situation because of his holiness and justice, and, and blood cries out for, for justice to be met. But he offers grace and mercy to anyone who will accept. That's why he it says in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 that uh, we, we should see this slackness on him, this, this, this delay of judgment as part of his grace and mercy, not wanting anyone to uh, perish. So he's given people an opportunity. He's waking people up to say, come to faith in the Messiah. Come to faith in my son. All you need to do is simply believe. And see, I grew up Catholic thinking that I had to earn my salvation. But once I realized the true gospel, it is all of what Christ did. He did the work of salvation. He lived the perfect life I couldn't live and died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose on the third day. 
and simply offers everlasting life to anyone who will believe in him, believe in his person, that he is the God-man, and believe in his work, that his work on the cross was enough to satisfy God's wrath for your salvation. And that is the only way through forgiveness is through his shed blood and his death. And so if someone will simply say, look, um, I believe in that. I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe that uh, Christ died on a cross for my sins, that he's the God man. Um, and I put my trust for him for salvation. He will give you everlasting life. He promises that to you. And you will eternally be secure. Nothing can ever take you out of his hands. And so the issue becomes, it's by faith. You must believe. You must be convinced that what Jesus is promising, he's promising you everlasting life. And he gives the evidence that he can promise that based on who he is and what he did. And that evidence is sufficiently found in the scriptures and is enough for you to be saved uh, mm -hmm. just by simply believing. So if you haven't done that yet, um you can you can ask the lord through prayer to save you admit you're a sinner uh and and accept his sacrifice on the cross for your sins and you can be saved and you can miss this terrible time that's coming yeah promised to be raptured before that to always be with him to be rewarded to be in, uh with him forever in the new jerusalem and then rule and reign with him on the the messianic kingdom so he's got a great future plan for you but he is waiting for you to respond to that gift amen why don't you pray um, for those that want to make jesus christ the lord and savior of your life go ahead pastor brandon if you're sure. just simply pray with me just this simple prayer from your heart lord jesus i know that i'm a sinner i've broken your laws but I realized that you died on a cross for my sins and that you were buried and that you rose on the third day. I believe that was enough for the payment of my sin, that you satisfied God's wrath through your death. And I realized that salvation from you is a free gift. I receive that gift of salvation by faith. Faith in who the Messiah is, that he is the God-man, and faith in his work on the cross for my sins and for my forgiveness. I thank you now for saving me, and I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, if you guys did ask the Lord to be uh your lord and savior please let me know love to get a bible out to you if you don't have one um and if you want to get a hold of pastor brandon or his videos or sermons i'm going to link up to that just like i did last time but before we go out i want to make sure we understand the battle is real folks and the enemy is very cunning in a book titled, I Never Thought I'd See the Day, Dr. Jeremiah writes, two factors enable Satan to remain so undetected. First, he is a spirit being. We cannot apprehend him with our physical senses. And in today's climate of empiricism, people have trouble believing in a spirit world. And second, 
He clothes himself in the images of this world that people perceive as good, noble, attractive, or uplifting. Art, literature, entertainment, education, and scholarship. Mm. How many impressionable students have lost their faith under the influence of a learned college professor who mocked the idea of God? How much indecency do we tolerate in the name of art, which elevates creativity above the rules of morality? How many Christians are passively lulled into accepting perversions as normal when they are presented hour after hour on television? Yes, Satan's influence has become pervasive in many of the institutions we want to look to as noble, enlightening, or entertaining. And until we see through this deception and wake up to its insidious effects on us, we are in danger. And few of us even seem to notice. Mm. And I'm going to close with that. Pay attention, people. So I, I hope you guys were encouraged. I hope you guys were blessed specially challenged really think about it and until the next time you guys take care god bless keep looking up